Hello, and welcome back to My Pastor Says, the show that is all about you and your questions about God, the Bible, and life in general. I am your host, Dave Atherton. I am the lead pastor at Aviator Church in Derby, Kansas, and I am so grateful that you are back with us this week. If you would like to have one of your questions answered on the show, please email me at dave at aviatorchurch.com. Again, dave at aviatorchurch.com and put my pastor says as a subject line. And we would love to answer one of your questions on an upcoming episode. Before diving into today's topic, which I'm really excited to get into, by the way, I think it's a great question that we have today. I want to do a uh, real quick say thank you again for giving the show a chance. I, I sit here recording on Saturday this week a little bit later than usual because of uh, some scheduling issues that I had. And I just wanted to say that as of right now at recording time, we have had 218 downloads on our first two episodes, which is, uh, man, it's so humbling and it's just really encouraging. And And hopefully what it means is that a bunch of people out there are interested uh, in learning more about the God that they serve and the Bible, all the way up to I've had a couple of people who are atheists uh, who just like listening to what the other side thinks. And so if that's who you are, we welcome you in. The question that we're going to be tackling today is one that I've had a really interesting time studying and I'm excited to talk through. It's a question that I think is incredibly relevant to where we are as a culture and and with regards to our news cycle. Some of you, I think, are going to initially dislike the idea of this particular conversation. I'm going to ask you to stick with it all the way to the end. The reason I think some of you might not care for this very much is because today's question is kind of the, the collision point of two... Uh, topics, two general ideas. Uh, The first one is about our politics, and the second one is about our faith. The question that we're going to be answering is, how should the gospel impact our view on immigration and refugees? Before we get too heavily into the question at hand, I do want to kind of share a couple of experiences that I have had that, that at least play some part in shaping my understanding of what it is to be a refugee, what it is to be an immigrant. Obviously, I am a a white man born in America. Uh, I've lived in America my entire life. I have no understanding of what it's like to be uh, forced or or feel like it's necessary to leave my home country and in, in search of something better. Uh, and in a very real way, I admire the people who have made that decision for their family. Um, I can tell you this: I, as a college student, went on a mission trip, and we spent time in Switzerland and Italy. Switzerland was really easy um, because it turns out everybody looked mostly like me and spoke the same language. Uh, But I was really excited to go to Italy. We were going to be working with some missionaries who were stationed there uh, in a town called Viterbo, Italy. Uh, And when we got there, um, it was really neat and it was cool. And there was all kinds of history to to check out and see um, on a couple of our sightseeing days. But as we were doing ministry there, um, I I kind of found myself for the first time in my life feeling very much unwelcome or like I don't belong somewhere. And it wasn't that the people of Italy were being um, unnecessarily mean or rude or anything like that. It was just all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I was in a place where the people around me didn't speak the same language that I did. I didn't understand what they were saying. I, I couldn't read the signs. Um, I, I remember I was excited as as a as a connoisseur of pizza. I will say that is a thing that I am. Um, I remember I was so excited to go. I wanted to eat Italian pizza. I was so excited about this, and I was going to get a pepperoni pizza because I am not very adventurous in my pizza toppings. Don't come at me with this pineapple debate. But but I remember I went to this um, restaurant, and I ordered a pepperoni pizza, thinking, you know, I would get 
a pepperoni pizza. And it turns out that when you are in Italy, the word pepperoni means something very different than it happens to mean here in America. What I found out was that here, if you order a pepperoni pizza, you get a pizza with pepperoni on it. But when you order a pepperoni pizza in Italy, what you're ordering is a pizza with all of the types of peppers on it. It also took like an hour and a half to come out because over there, when they go out to eat, it's like an experience as to where here, I just want to get my food, eat it and get out. I remember uh, as somebody who loves to eat ice, um, when I when I drink a soda, I love to have ice in my cup, which I know sounds like a stupid thing to really be dealing with here on this podcast. But let me tell you, when they brought out my drink, they brought out a drink with no ice. And so I had to figure out how to ask the waitress, can I please get more ice in my drink or just ice in my drink? And she came back out and had put one cube of ice in my beverage. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this is this is simply not going to do. And so I, I looked at her and I said, can I get more, more ice, please? And she goes back as I'm eating my my pizza at this point that's covered in peppers and it's hotter than anything I've ever put in my mouth in my entire life. Uh, as, as she comes back with my drink, it's now got two ice cubes in it. And I remember, as silly as this story is, I remember thinking, I am not home here. This place is not for me. I need ice in my drink. I want pepperoni on my pizza. I want my, my waiter, my waitress to speak the same language I do. I remember it being so very frustrating to be in a place where I felt like I was not home, where I felt like I wasn't welcome. And I got to say, this is as close as I probably will ever get to understanding what it's like for people to immigrate from a foreign country to America, where they don't speak the same language, they don't have the same culture, they don't have the same understanding. Um, I got to imagine that it is scary and frustrating. And I, I know that in my, you know, six days that I spent in Italy, I had massive bouts of homesickness and just wanted to go back. And I remember when I landed, I landed at, LA, excuse me, at LAX airport in Los Angeles, um, which if you've ever had the, uh, the opportunity to fly out of LAX, it is just terrible. But I remember getting into LAX and I was being treated rudely by all of the people who worked there. And I just thought, home. (laughs) This is home to me. So anyways, I want to start this out by saying I do not know what it's like to have to be in the position that a lot of these people are in. I am sure that they deal with fear. Like, I don't understand fear. I'm sure that they, you know, are struggling through every day in a way that I've never had to struggle. And so I want to coat this entire conversation with that belief and understanding that the people who find themselves in this spot, I don't think that they're all sitting here and trying to be, you know, evil people who are sneaking into a country or anything like that. I think that they're people who want a better life and who have risked giving up everything they know and that they're comfortable with and that they love in an effort to improve their life here. And I think that that's something that could be commended uh, and not condemned. The first thing that I would like to discuss as we look at this topic for just a minute is the politics behind what it is that we're dealing with. And let me just first off, you know, calm any fears that you may have. I'm not going to get into a heated political discussion here. What I really want to talk about is how pastors should interact with politics. So if you find yourself in a church that that goes opposite to this, uh, I think you might want to consider where you're going to church. I don't think that a pastor's job is to influence the way that the parishioners or the congregation votes or thinks about certain political issues. Uh, My job really is to teach the Bible, and that's kind of exclusively what I try to do. And so as we talk about an issue like this that obviously has political ramifications, obviously there are different schools of thought on, on how immigration should be handled. I'm not a policymaker. What I'm doing instead is looking at it more from the standpoint of 
the fact that we in Scripture have charges as to how we are to treat people in general. There are verses that deal with how to deal with foreigners to your land and how you should treat them. Um, But ultimately, I care a lot less about the politics of the thing than I do about the gospel. I've said this from the stage at Aviator before, and and really from anywhere where I happen to be where I'm speaking on something that, that verges on a political topic. The church should not be in the business of trying to write policy. The church should not be in the business of trying to legislate morality. One of the things that I think has been lost to some degree in the church in general is that really Christianity and following after Christ is more about persuasion than it is about force or about uh, uh, you know cramming down our beliefs on somebody else. You know, we have lost the ability to persuade people over time. Honestly, I think we stopped trying. I think that we had a season where the church had some political authority, or at least I'd say the the religious right, so to speak. Um, and, and candidly, I think that that's starting to blow up in our face a little bit. I think people have stopped listening to us. And quite frankly, it's because I think that for a season, we got more involved in trying to, to write rules and laws as opposed to trying to teach people about Christ. And so today, we're not going to look into closed borders versus open borders. Should we build a wall? Should we not build a wall? None of that. What we're going to look at instead uh, is really what is our drive as Christians, because I believe that that our call to Christ comes long before our call to any country or to any political ideology, certain to any you know party in our system. So today we're going to look more about uh, what the Bible would have us do when it comes to immigrants or to refugees and less about what policy prescription you might have. That doesn't mean don't be engaged in the debate. It doesn't mean don't research, don't study, but that's not what this show is about. And there are a lot of shows out there that I could recommend to you uh, that discuss the, excuse me, the issues like that, um, but that is not what we're here to do today. So uh, today we're going to look at this from a simply biblical perspective. How is it that we are to treat people who are immigrants and refugees, and we will let the policymaking be left to the hands of the policymakers, uh, or maybe it won't be left in their hands and they'll just yell about it for the next 15 or 20 years. In preparing to talk about this particular topic, I looked at several passages of Scripture that I thought were applicable. Um, And what was interesting, there's a bunch from the Old Testament and a bunch from the New Testament. I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. Starting in Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34, it says this, When immigrants live in your land with you, you must not cheat them. Any immigrant who lives with you must be treated as if they were one of your own citizens. You must love them as yourself because you were immigrants in the land of Egypt. And then skipping forward to Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 17 through 20, it says that he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who, or excuse me, peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So in a couple of different passages, I think what we can see is this. The gospel is a uniting force, not a dividing one. The gospel, even in the Old Testament, I know people love to talk about Old Testament God who is harsh and mean and cruel. Um, but even in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, um, we, what we see is the idea is that if an immigrant is living amongst you, you should love them passionately. You should love them uh, in the same way that their God has has loved the nation of Israel. And so legitimately, I think we see that consistently throughout Scripture is that we should be loving um, immigrants and refugees. But honestly, the passage I want to spend most of our time today on comes out of Matthew chapter 25. 
So starting in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, this will likely be a passage that you've heard before, at least part of. Um, we're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to talk about it for a little bit. And, and I think it's uh, a passage that'll be a good way to look at uh, what a Christian's approach to uh, immigrants and to refugees should be. Uh, and it's, it's heading is the final judgment. So uh, Matthew 25, chapter, or excuse me, chapter 25, verse 31 says, when the son of man, that's Jesus, when the son of man comes in his glory and all of the angels come with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all of the nations. He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. And he will place the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say, those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this is the part that most people have heard. He's welcoming them into heaven. And he says, this is why. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and they'll say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, just as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me or to me, excuse me. Verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not come to visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and that we did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do this for the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. A couple of things that we need to know about this passage. It starts out and it sounds like it's going to be a parable. Um, when it talks about that he's going to separate people like a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And so a lot of times we, we tend to think of that and we say, okay, this is, this is parable mode. But he doesn't stick in the parable when he's talking here. And the reality is the rest of the language in this passage uh, does not lend itself to be considered a parable. This shifts from the idea of starting as a parable and goes straight into this just really harsh, brutal teaching about the end days, about judgment. And really, when we see this, the, the separation, it says, from the sheep to the goats or, or from the righteous to the wicked or the cursed, the deciding factor of what group you were put into is how you treated the least of these, how you treated the people who were hurt, who were wounded, who were poor, who were sick, who were in prison, maybe who were immigrants, maybe who were weak, maybe who didn't know the language that you spoke, maybe who were in a tough spot. The dividing line between the righteous and the cursed or the, or the wicked was how you treated people who were in need. I think as we look at this debate and we talk about this topic, I think sometimes we, we do just that. We consider it a debate. We consider it this thing that we have to get into and we have to make our opinion heard. What a lot of times I think that we forget to do is we forget to consider that this is about people. This is not about a topic called immigration. This is about people called immigrants. It's about people called refugees. 
And I think that God is consistently clear in his word throughout the Bible, throughout the gospel, that, that what he really wants more than anything is for us to love people. Now, you can look at this and you can say, oh, so whether or not we love people is how we get into heaven. I thought salvation was not about what we do, but about what God did. And that's true. I don't think that this passage is saying you have to love people a certain way or you can't get to heaven because you did a bad thing. What I think this is really getting at is, is something that I think gets overlooked in a lot of our churches today. And it's this idea right here. It's not so much about that you have to love people a certain way to be considered good. It's that when you are righteous, when you are following after God's will, as a result of your heart being changed, you will have a passion for people. You will love people because that's what God loves. At Aviator Church, we've been doing this series called Love God, Love Others. It's what we're all about at Aviator Church. We're saying it's our mission excuse me, our mission, the thing that we're doing today, that we're going to love God, we're going to love others. It's our vision. The thing that we're going to do in 10 years is love God and love others. And it's our process. The way we're going to get from our mission to our vision is we're going to love God and love others. The reason that we chose that as our, as our mission and our vision and our process is because when Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing? What is the most important commandment in the entire Bible? He answered by saying the most important commandment is love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. You got to love God with everything you have. But then he says, there's a second one and it goes right along with it. The second most important commandment is you have to love others. Love your neighbor as yourself, it says. And if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, if you're going to love people the way Jesus loved people, you have to consider who it was that Jesus chose to love. Jesus didn't just uh, deal with the religious elite or with those who looked righteous. Um, As a matter of fact, he did exactly the opposite. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and lepers, the weak, the downtrodden, the poor, the deformed, the invalids. Uh, and, And he did this, honestly, all the way up to the cross. When he is hanging on the cross and he's right next to a thief who is being rightly crucified for his crimes, according to the culture of the day. This thief looks at him and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, even today you will be with me in paradise. You see, all the way up until the very end, Jesus loved people. He loved all people, no matter who they were, no matter what their story was, no matter what sins they committed, no matter what language they spoke. Jesus loved people. That's what he did. So as we look at this passage and we look at this idea of what we should do with regards to immigrants or refugees, let me tell you what we should do. We should love them radically. We should love them wildly. We should love them and look to serve them. You know, it talks about, I think it's in Matthew 20, Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The example that Christ chose to give us for how to radically love somebody was that even though he was God, he stepped down to a broken earth, to humanity who continued to turn their back on him. And what he chose to do was to make himself a servant to the lowest of the low. He chose to make himself a servant to people who needed him. And as we look at this idea of immigration, as we deal with this topic, what I think we really need to to begin to focus on as Christians is this. I don't care what the policy says. I don't care if somebody made it here legally, illegally, or whatever. Our job is to love others. There's no question about it. There's no debating it. Well, it it only says love others if they got here legally. Nope. Doesn't say that in the Bible. Can't find that anywhere. As a matter of fact, there's not a single qualifier to it. Love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat, this, this is the golden rule, right? Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. 
I actually was talking to somebody who does work with other pastors here recently, uh, somebody from Aviator, and and this person said that he's done work with churches that, that do ministry for refugees and that people have actually said to him that he shouldn't work with those churches because those people are not here legally. Oh my gosh, what a problem with the church if that's what we believe. If we believe that we shouldn't reach out to people who are in need, we shouldn't teach people uh, about the gospel because we don't like the way that they got here, oh, if that is our stance, church, then we have greatly missed out on what it is we're called to do. So today, we've been at Aviator, we've been banging this drum for the last two weeks, we're going to continue banging it for the next two weeks, and if you're not from Aviator, uh, if you're just somebody who goes to church somewhere else and found this thing, or if you're an atheist, let me tell you what I think Christians should believe, so you you can judge that however you need to, we need to love others. We need to serve them. I would encourage you to try to find, if you live in an area where there is a refugee prop, excuse me, population, or there is a, an immigrant population, find a way to bless them. Find a way to serve them. Uh, man, maybe it's teaching an English class. Maybe it's babysitting kids while, while parents work. Um, maybe it's, it's serving at, at, a, at a kitchen. I, I don't know. There's so many opportunities. There's so many things. But I think that really the way that the church will actually have an impact on this debate in general and really on the soul of our country is to love people the way Jesus loved people. And that includes people who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, and who don't speak the same language we do. I want to thank you guys again for tuning in for episode three of My Pastor Says. Um, again, if you would like to have one of your questions answered on the show, please email me, dave at aviatorchurch.com. Again, dave at aviatorchurch.com. Put My Pastor Says in the subject. I'm getting so many great questions. Uh, I might have to start doing two of these a week, depending on if I can <laughs> get good enough at the editing of it. And again, and no pressure, but if you have time, if you'd be willing to rate and review us on whatever podcast app it is that you have found us on, that would be great. It would help us to get our name out there a little bit more so that more people can listen in and ask the questions that they need answers to. Love you guys, and we will see you back again next week on My Pastor Says.